Okay, let's do this fucking shit. Pain Train Productions presents Pain Train Pipe Bomb. Starring Ricky, a.k.a. The Prez. Karasu, a.k.a. Beefcake. Melissa, a.k.a. The EP. You can find all of our merchandise on shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash Pain Train Pipe Bomb or Pain Train Pipe Bomb dot threadless.com you can find all of our media and social networking on youtube facebook instagram milehighradio.com energyradio.com spotify twitch spreaker and ipmnation.com our intro music is insanity control Welcome, everybody. It's weird, but we are here. It's the Game of Thrones fucking recap. The last season. And it's kind of ironic because it's fucking cold outside. And on the show, winter has arrived. I know. It's like back to winter out. It's gross. It's windy and shitty. It, it, it's completely ironic that it happens so welcome to pete morjan jackie richmond uh eddie guerrero who is not the vanilla midget by the way okay it is <laughs> Wait, not, does this need it to is be not clarified? latino heat it is the real life eddie guerrero uh sharon Carasu is on his way to work so we originally were going to plan to do this earlier but a lot of our hosts, or people that we had asked to do the show, either had a technical difficulty or has decided that they were unavailable. So the show must go on. We are still reviewing Game of Thrones. Hang out. It's a pretty informative show, by the way. Let's let you know. But, I don't know how informative. If you watch the fucking show. You know what, Pete? I, I think have... after you hear us talk about it, you're going to want to binge watch the beginning of it to get uh, into this whole thing. Because we have nine people watching, you know. I mean, Wait a minute. So, Pete, you're here and you've never seen the show? I mean, Game of Thrones uh, in, in eight seasons. Now, we waited two years for this fucking season to start, which I thought was great. You know, like, it, 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 this, this season here has a lot of juicy stuff happening. A lot of juicy stuff. I mean, the running joke that I was saying to everybody online was that I've aged two years waiting for the show to come back. And uh, I definitely earned my freaking gray stripes while I've been waiting. Let's just put it that way. Well, I say that, you know, it, it's got to be one of those things that, yes, you have to watch from the beginning in order to understand it. But I think as people, if they were to take the time and watch this first episode yes they're gonna want to know how this whole situation built up well yes it's not exactly uh great on some episodes it do starts it does start off a little bit slow but the drama builds right and it's good drama 
It's not shit drama, it's good drama. I always feel that the first episode of every season is really like a coming together of what happened to the finish of the season before. So I always felt that it goes a little slow the first episode. But seeing as they only have a limited number of episodes this season, I feel like it's all gonna happen very fast from here on out. Well, the great thing about this episode Pete, okay. you don't have to leave. No, you can stay, Pete. You don't have to leave. It's no. fine. You can still chat with us. We have Wendy Pack watching. What's up, Wendy? Wendy Pack has I not haven't been seen on a, Wendy in so long. On, on a pipe bomb episode in God knows how long. I know. It's been a long time. And, and Wendy, I really do hope you're feeling better. I really do. Because yes. I heard your, your discussion the other night, and, you know, we, we said you good wishes. Stacey Schaefer's joined in. She's never watched Game of Thrones. So, I think, depending on how this review goes, that she should, uh, you know. Eddie, do you have uh, Skype? If Eddie has Skype, I'll put Eddie on. Eddie, I hope you've watched the show. Because if you haven't <laughs> watched the show, damn, I'll, I'll kill you, dude. I'll kill you, dude. I'll go a big show on your ass. Um, all right, so just basically, let's start out with the beginning of the show. All right? Now, this episode had a lot, and I mean a lot of repeating things from throughout the first seven seasons. Okay, well, the first, the first, first thing I said when it came on was that the opening scene of this season was a mirror to the first season of Game of Thrones. The first episode, the first season, was exact to this, except with different people involved. Well, in the beginning, as the show starts, uh, the first ever episode, Bran is running through the, the courtyards or whatever to see this ginormous freaking Procession. Thing coming into... Winterfell. Right. And they, in the beginning, replicated that. Right. However, it was only a key cli a kid climbing up into a tree and doing the same thing that Bran did. It was very so, reminiscent of what Bran had done in the first season, first episode. But that was a lot of the ironic stuff that happened. Okay? Yeah. Uh, another Other parts were is that the Stark family weren't all together. Which was kind of a, a key thing. Right. Because Arya was not with everybody else. No. She was amongst the people. Right. So that was kind of like a real big ironic thing for me. And the faces that the people made as this procession was coming in of especially the dragons flying over. I know. That was a kick-ass thing saying, yeah... We are not the ones to fuck with. Well, it was the first time that people had actually seen them. Because you've only heard about them beforehand. You know, when they kept saying dragons, she has dragons, nobody had ever seen them. It was just something that was discussed. So this was the first time people had, like, in life, seen the dragons. Which was great. So, like, this whole group of people are now, like, showing up. And they're... Obviously, it was, again, another ironic moment. Season one, episode one, the entire Stark family is standing there. 
And at this point, it's not Baratheon coming in. It's now Jon Snow and Danny coming in. Right. And, you know, there was the the meeting of like the of of Bran and uh Snow uh, giving that like affection brief right. affection type thing. And then Bran kind of blows him off. He's like, yeah, we ain't got time for this shit. Well, you know, Bran is an entirely different person now that he is the three-eyed raven. So, like, I feel like now when watching the show, I know it's he's supposed to be, like, such a serious character. But I often want to flick him, like, right in the forehead. Like, just go, hello, this is your family. You know, they saved your ass a billion times. You I, I really kinda, should just speak. I, I kind of do think, though, that... Yes, in the beginning of the whole issue, he got pushed out by Jamie Lannister, which is more to come later on. But I think that was almost like the light switch, you know, like you go from that lovely, energetic, jubilee type person or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you got pushed out of a window. Well, he was a little boy when season one, when you think about it, he was a tiny boy and he's been through a lot. I, I think it's, it's just a little crazy, though. But, you know, again, now, obviously, there's the introduction of Danny to, uh, what's her face? I can't, Sansa. Sansa, thank you. <laughs> like, the, the episode is, I've seen it four times already, and it just, it, it kills well, me. Well, another I mirror image the of the first episode, which was another thing that we talked about last night, it was over. Um, when Robert Baratheon in season one came into Winterfell... Um, he went over and hugged Ned Stark, and Ned Stark pretty much said to him, Winterfell is yours. So last night when Danny came in and John introduced her to Sansa, who is now Lady of the House, she turned around to Danny and said to her, Winterfell is yours. So there are a lot of things from season one that are very very like in hand with season eight like i really feel like they're gonna try um like i read I, I i do a lot of reading like i'm subscribed to a lot of like the fan groups and all of those things and everybody is saying that if you had gone back to watch season one a lot of what's going to happen in season eight is going to come full circle of what you saw in the beginning so then you kind of like pan south, so to speak, after the the big gathering at Winterfell. And it goes to Cersei Lannister staring out into the waters. And she's now made aware that the White Walkers have destroyed the wall and they are now marching south. And she's like, yeah, fuck it. I really could care less. And then, as you can see it, because it happened in season seven, the camera then does like this 180 spin to legitimately her fleet of ships in the water, which is obviously still led by Euron. Um, I think he's, a, he's still a douche. But at the same right, it's just like, okay, this asshole was supposed to have left. And he's still there. So it was yeah, kind of a play a on the whole there thing. There was a reason that he is there. Because in the end of last season, Cersei hired him and he went to go get 
the Golden Company to come and help him um, with his forces to try to be on Cersei's side if she needed an army because she really has no army left. Well, that's because she was stupid and didn't freaking plan for further incidences. Right. So that, that, that was a big thing. So then it just pretty much goes back to now a huge meeting in the main part of Winterfell, in the castle of Winterfell. And now they're discussing, well, how is this whole thing going to work? Danny's kind of introduced more toward the larger group and collective part of all of the sigils that have gotten together to meet, you know, they're, they're, they're all this big part of this army. And Jon Snow is pretty much put on spot by saying, you're a dick. You gave up your crown. You're bending your knee for somebody else. We don't trust this bitch. Why? Because we don't know her. And it comes down to that, like, well, I sacrificed this for our particular reason. But I think that everything Jon Snow has done up until now has been for the people that he's protecting. I mean, think about it. I mean, think of all the battles and all of that. Like, everything has been with his family and his... I don't know. What would you call it? A kingdom? I mean, his kingdom in mind? Well, they kind of say it as the he was supposed to be, like, the king of the north. Well, they, they named him king of the north. They named him. He wasn't considered one, but they all, and the council, voted him in as King of the North because they didn't have one. Well, at this point, though, you look at the sacrifice that was given because he supposedly gives up his crown and he brings back two dragons. You figure he brought back the Dothraki mm -hmm. and he brought back the, the Unsullied. Uh, the Unsullied. So those were already two large pieces. Danny was already going to come to go kill fucking Cersei off in King's Landing. Right. But instead of them heading there, they all went north. So now you got this big fucking piece, plus the multiple amounts of sigils from people in the north that were all going to back Stark to begin with. Right. So that's a huge clusterfuck in itself. Right. But... There were other moments where you see now Gendry's back, mm -hmm. who supposedly, according to Melisandre in seasons past, an heir to the crown, mm -hmm. which obviously now that shot the shit. Well, we'll find that out because there's a theory behind it, which I can get into a little later unless you want to talk about it now. Well, it, 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 it now also shows the fact that there are parts where they call this like the reunion episode. Yes, because there were a lot of because reunions in this. They're now Tyrion is talking to Sansa. They haven't seen each other since Joffrey's wedding. Which is kind of crazy, and that's almost like a five year gap, according to Right. Time. Because everybody has gotten tremendously older. And you you see it as you watch from season to season. Okay, so you see the two of them getting together. Uh, this happens a little bit later in the episode, where now Arya... Arya sees Jon for the first time since they left Winterfell. And then you also have Arya seeing the mountain. I mean, not the mountain, um, uh, the 
the hound. The hound. And Gendry. Who she left for dead. Yes. She left the hound for dead. And to be honest, like, his part with her was so small when he was like, you know, you're a little bitch. And he's like, well, I guess that's why you're still alive. And then he kind of chuckled and left. And I thought that was kind of funny. But now they're all gearing up because now all of the dragon glass that they mined for this huge battle, which apparently I thought in my head, maybe it would have looked like it in a larger amount for some reason. For apparently all of the dragon glass that they said that they, they were that was available to mine, it didn't really look like a tremendous amount. Well, I mean, you saw a couple of wagons in the courtyard. We don't know exactly how much was there, but it, it seems like a good amount. But it, it, there, were, there were all of the reunions. Some of them we'll touch on in a little bit. I have to say that one of the scenes which I kind of really, really find fucked up, okay, is now Euron brings the captain of this army that he went to go get, okay? And Cersei's giving, getting, like, this rundown of what came back. Mm -hmm. It's, like, 200,000 troops. Cool. Elephants. Not once throughout an entire fucking episode. Now, this is probably, like, 39, 40 fucking episodes <laughs> in. Have I seen one fucking elephant? Well... The reason, the, entire thing. the reason why she hired this guy um, from this golden company was because they were known to have elephants. And she thought that by bringing these people here that they would have an additional um, force by having these elephants. So when she asked him about where the elephants were, he said, you know, it's a long sea trip. They're not really a seaworthy animal. Um, which I can understand, but I think she thought that by hiring them, because when they gave her the numbers of how many people were actually there, she didn't seem so thrilled. But she almost legitimately has a hard on for the elephants. For these elephants, she's she mentioned them it, quite a few times. I, I I hate to say it, but reverting to it, if you have a hard on for an elephant. That's a problem. Oh, okay? That's a personal problem. All right. But now, after this whole thing is said and done, okay, Cersei then has this lovely discussion with Euron about, like, you'll get paid whatever you're due after the war is over. And somehow, this fucking moron convinces her to have sex with him. And it's kind of, I'm honestly... Well, I have to tell you, she had one of the best lines in the whole show. Because he mentioned something about, or hinted, about sleeping with her. And she, <laughs> she said, you know, if you want a whore, you'll have to pay for it. If you want a queen, you have to earn it. And I thought, like, wow. Like, that was awesome. Like, that's something you could use in real life. Like, if you meet a guy on a Friday night, <laughs> that guy's trying to give you drinks, take you home. You're but, like, no, nah, man. Like, you the, downfall, the downfall to this all is that 
she lets Euron poke her. And then the audacity, the audacity of this fucking idiot to actually go and say, oh, was I better than your fucking husband, Robert Baratheon? Or was I better, better than your brother? Like, like, okay, first of all, He didn't yes. say your brother. It, it, well, we all know he Jamie calls Lannister him the Kingslayer. is the Kingslayer. He calls who him the is AKA Cersei's brother. Okay, <laughs> the whole incest issue is out already. It was already pronounced. Yes, it's said and done. Okay, yes. so like that takes some balls, right? But then here comes like the the titty twister out of most of this first episode is that he turns around and says. I'm going to put a prince in your belly. In your belly. In which, at the end of season seven, she has already turned around and said that she's already pregnant. That she was pregnant. Because she had sex with Jamie before Jamie took off. Right. So, again, you, you, you kind of sit there and you're like, okay, so she's supposed to be pregnant. That was two years ago. Now, supposedly, he's going to put a prince inside of her. But going back to earlier in seasons past, the prediction was is that she was not going to be able to get pregnant after the said kids that she had. And going back to reading in the novels that she somehow in between seasons has a miscarriage and is unable to bear children after that. Well, okay, so... I have to touch on this because I can't let it go now that we've been talking about it. Um, if you read the books, right, and there was a mention of it one time, and I'm trying to remember what season it was in, but for the life of me, I can't remember now. Um, they did mention that Cersei and Robert had a son that died. Now, um... It was kind of let go like um, it was not it was brought up kind of once and not brought up again now enter the Gendry theory um, Gendry always talked about like because he didn't know his mom and they always said that his mom had golden hair and Cersei like if you look at all the episodes when her children were buried and they were put into the crypt, Cersei goes a lot to the crypt to see her children that had died. She never goes to see the first child, which supposedly had died, her and Robert. So this theory that all of these people are coming to is that Gendry is the offspring the only offspring of her and Robert. And she gave him away to not give Robert an heir. Or that he didn't really die. Someone took him and told her that he died and he disappeared. Which would give Gendry rights to the throne as much as anybody else. Because he is a descendant of the Baratheons. Well... It just so I'm happens just saying, that now this is a theory. I'm not saying that it's true, but it's been something that's been really discussed. Along with all of that chicanery, 
Cersei then sends a message along, along with the hand, her hand, because apparently he's an old fuck, and she kind of gave him this fucking weird thing. She has him go to Bronn, who was Tyrion's kind of bodyguard back his, in the like, day. His, like, right-hand his man, savior, kind of, yeah. Okay? With a crossbow. Right. And because now, technically, Tyrion killed off most of the family. Tyrion killed their father. Well, also, she's also saying that she sentenced her daughter and her son to death by either sending them away or leaving them in a bad position. Right. Because, you know, he would uh, he was the hand when Joffrey was around. Right. He was also somewhat involved with the rest of the family. Right. And I still love the fact where he kills his dad on the shitter. I think that's probably one of the best scenes I've seen so far. But the crossbow is now meant for one arrow for Tyrion and one arrow for Jamie. Now that Jamie has up and left King's Landing to go join the fight. When to they probably said, hang out with his new woman, Brienne, by the way. They said when they gave him the crossbow, um, this is meant to take care of your brother's. Not just brother, brothers. So I think that um, Cersei is meaning that both of the brothers need to be taken care of, and she's sending Bronn to do it. Another little tidbit that goes through, before we go through the, the two weirdest scenes of the show, which pretty much, is, it pretty much surmises like the half of the show. Yara is still alive. She never got killed. No. She was only captured. By Yoron, who is her uncle. Okay. Now, what they don't show in this first episode is the fact that Oberon's wife mm -hmm. and, the, and her daughter mm -hmm. are not seen in this first episode. They were locked in the dungeon. The daughter was supposed to be poisoned. She was supposed to watch her die, right. and they were keeping the other woman alive. Right. So you do not see that right. in this first part. However, Yara is on the ship with Euron right. instead of being put in the dungeons. And yeah, that's a little, first off, that's a little freaky because if she's supposed to be a prisoner of war, I would kind of figured she he would have been was stuck using, in King's Landing. I think he was using her more as a bargaining chip. Because technically, um, she is the ruler of the place that they come from. I can't think of the name of what it's the called. The Iron Islands. The Iron Islands. Um, technically, she is the person that's in charge now of it. So by holding her hostage, if something happens to her, the Uncle Euron is technically named, you know, head of the Iron Islands. So what happens is, if again, in earlier seasons, um, Theon, her brother, um, left her. They captured her, and, they and he left her. Like, instead of trying to save her, he jumped off the side of the ship and wasn't seen again. 
until later on. So now Theon and the end of season seven fights all of these guys and says he's going to go after his sister. And while Euron is on the island boinking Cersei, Theon goes to the ship and frees Yara. See, now this is a problem, though, because in a roundabout way, this is kind of a movie mistake that they make. Why? Okay. So the Greyjoy fleet, okay, is all sitting in the bay of King's Landing. Right. Okay. Yara is supposed to be on Euron's ship, which is one of the front ships in the bay. Right. Theon and a group of the guys from the Iron Islands mm -hmm. go on with crossbows or, you know, bow and arrow and start shooting up the joint. Hey, Brian. And then to top it all off, it was Theon putting an axe into the guy's head and Amazing. he falls through the door which is funny because the person who got the axe in the head is one of the directors of the show yes so that was a <laughs> twist in itself when you, if well, you did you catch, see that you see yes. that in the video today yes um on youtube there's a recap of of the first season of the first episode of season eight so it's about 20 minutes long and i watched it before i came here tonight and i sent it to ricky and they show you a lot of like behind the scenes things you know cross was finally was, getting on he's either really on cool. his way to work watching it on the train or he's at work already um so now he frees yara yes she gives him the headbutt from hell <laughs> which is not the well, proper way i would say he left her to die I don't think that would be the proper way, though, to be like, yeah, um, I don't think that's the proper way I'd want to be greeted, but anyway. Well, in real life, I probably would have throat chopped you instead. <sighs> I don't know. I thought the headbutt was a nice, was a nice touch. But know? she frees him, which means at some point he got balls, even though they had been chopped off by the uh, look-alike, you know, <laughs> from Matchbox 20. <laughs> but, Ramsey. Yes. Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton, who I think, he, I think he looks like Rob Thomas still. He does. He really he, does. He, he actually grew balls and saved her. And then instead of going back to capture the Iron Islands, because apparently now Euron took all of that shit over, there's three ships. And this is where I find the movie mistake, that the three ships... If they were in the front half, where did they come from? Because that whole fleet didn't leave. Only three ships out of that entire fleet left the Bay of King's Landing to go back to the Iron Islands. See, that's where that's the problem is. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't. For some reason, doesn't. Quit. I don't know. I find that this episode was a little jumpy. Because I think they have so much content and so many loose ends that they have to tie up before the end of the sh before the end of the season, that I think it's going to jump around a little too much. If that makes sense. See, I, I mean, like I just I find the first episode was a little jumpy, but it's only because they had so many people to cover in an hour's worth of time. I don't know, but it, it was just a little weird to know that those three ships left on their own. That didn't alarm anything that was going on i don't know i mean it was a covert mission but that was besides the point so now you come to where 
you have the magical dragon ride. Okay? They ride horses up because Danny is informed that the dragons are not eating. And it just so happens to be like 12 goats and 18 sheep. <laughs> I don't know what it was. How do you not get And you full? had to see the panic on her face. She's like, they're barely eating. They only ate 26 goats and seven horses. Yeah. You know, it, like it whatever like, it was, whatever stupid number it was. It, it was really weird yeah, to it, know. It, um, Gilmore, it was only like 54 minutes. 55 minutes, something like that. It, it was just weird to know that you get told that they're barely eating, but when you have almost three dozen animals gone, they're just well, bones. They're large dragons. It was probably yeah. like a chicken wing to them. I really just feel like it was just kind of just like stupidly done. But you see Danny and John walking up this hill to a platform where there's about maybe like a 40-foot burnt area yeah. of just ribs it was the and nest. leg bones and everything. It was their nest. And yeah, to me, I, I think that would be more than a feast. But you see them, and now the dragons are like all kind of giddy and shit, because like now mommy's coming to check on them or whatever. And yeah, it, they... End up both well, first going. of all, it was that John got on the dragon, which was the best part of the whole fucking thing. Because, you know, like, again, there's so many, so much background to the show. Um, you know, they keep saying that there was supposed to be three riders for the dragons because there were three dragons. Um, and John... Um, you know, he goes over to the thing and he's like, I've never done this before. <laughs> Where do you hold on? And the dragon just kind of let him on there and took him for a ride. So you you see them going for the ride. And again, another earlier season flashback happens. This is when Jon Snow was hanging out with the free folk. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and him and Yagret if that's how you even properly fucking say her name, um, they hang out by that waterfall. Yes. And they get they get their their, their freak on. Now it's almost the same thing with John and Danny. And Danny, he's got a thing with waterfalls. Yeah, At least apparently. he's trying to be a little romantic. At least. Uh, Brian O'Brien says, "If I was a dragon, I'd only eat at Popeyes." <laughs> I think chicken's a little too small for them. I mean, I think they're up to sheep and goats and horses and shit. And, and Karasu, the proper line was, what do dragons eat? And she goes, anything they want. Anything they want. So now it's pretty much, let's go back to normal life. Okay, again, there was the Arya. But wait a minute. Hounding. How that dragon looked at John when he kissed Danny was the same way if you had a dog in your bed and you were trying to get it on with your wife and that dog was watching you, that was the way that dragon looked at John last night. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I don't know, but Brian O'Brien says, but if I wanted to kill the dragon, I'd probably use their biscuits. Stop. Their biscuits are so good. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. That was a little off topic. So, obviously, so good. We, we talked about the Aria... Um, Butcher Boy Reunion and the Hound, they're all together there. But now, 
it comes down to the more crucial part of where the show goes. It's the point where Danny meets up with one of I, what I think is our favorite characters on the show. Okay? And the reason why I say he's one of my favorite characters, first off, he's a bumbling idiot. Okay? He's a big, chunky guy who can't fight, but is smart as fuck in Samuel Tarley. Okay? Samuel Tarley. So now, Danny praises him for healing Jara, which is cool. That's kind of like a fucking great moment. However, now Danny drops the bomb on Samuel that... You know, she was migrating north and trying to make sure that people would be not only helping, but bending the knee for her. And Danny kind of drops the bomb on him that she killed his dad and his brother. And his brother. So now he's a little ticked off. Well, I don't I don't want to say ticked off because as much as he didn't have a good relationship with his father... Um, he wanted that so bad that he loved him. And there's also a lot more to it because now that his father and his brother are gone, he is now the head of the Tarly of the Tarly family without even anything happening really. He just kind of inherited it. He's the next born son. But now it kind of I'm kind of like one of those people that say, "Okay, the father's dead." And the brother's dead. What happened to the rest of them? That kind of is the huge question mark to that whole thing. Because normally if a family is asked to bend knee, it's usually not just the male parts. It's the entire family. So it's still kind of questions if the sister is still alive and the mother and the is still mother. alive. I don't know. I mean, if but, you go back to that episode, it was really only the men that were brought, brought forward when he when he was asked to join forces with her, and he said absolutely not. But the sisters were there because she did give yes. Samwell's squeeze clothes right. to wear. So again, it questions that whole thing. Right. So now, Samwell is now trying to find a place to just let loose. Right. He doesn't want to do it in front of anybody. But apparently, the reoccurring theme for the entire show is that Bran was not allowed in the castle. Okay? Poor, crippled, three-eyed raven Bran is made to stay in the courtyard throughout the entire episode. A, does this kid not have to pee? Because being out in the cold all day long... I'm pretty sure you got to use the bathroom. I can't even. But in every major scene that you see, Bran is out in the courtyard. Well, he is a raven. You know, I mean, he's got to be outside because he's got to be able to observe everything. You know, Brian, seriously, you've not seen anything? You can't be talking about how the freaking dragons eat if you've never even freaking seen them. Think of it this way, okay? If... You haven't seen it. After you hear us talk about it, I guarantee you one of us will convince you to watch the entire thing from the beginning. You have to watch it from the beginning, guys. I mean, it's the only way you're going to understand what we're speaking about. But Bran now tells Samwell, 
Okay. The bullshit time of waiting is over. It's over. We have to go tell John he's not really John. Okay? He's another big, huge figure, which it's kind of bad because, you know, Samwell's now got this, well, my family's dead. But I have to tell you important news. So it's kind of like weird, weird transition. It's like if I didn't get punched in the balls enough once by saying my father was died, then the other nut gets fucking punched because I find out my brother dies. Now I have to go have my dick pulled because I have to go get this information to John. Right. Who's in the crypts, by the way, paying homage to Ned Stark. Which there's the ironic thing if you saw the previews for season eight. That they all at one point were in the crypts together yes. paying homage to the family. But now Jon Snow finds out he is the sixth generation or the sixth one down the line in line for the Iron Throne. A crown which technically he's already given up. And comes to find out that incest was best in his mind because he did not know he was fucking his aunt Danny. Wow. That's the only way to even just come out and say it. I'm banging my aunt. That's Listen, nuts. there's a lot of incest shit on the show. Well, obviously, if freaking Cersei and Jamie were going at it like fucking wild boars, there's then, a lot of you stuff. know, it's weird. <laughs> but thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. But now John is like. Well, do we even call him John anymore? Do we have to call him Aegon? Aegon is his is his bestowed name. But again, like nobody except for and not John Snow. Two people know he that his name be, is not John Snow anymore. He would be Aegon Targaryen, mm. which changes everything. Yes. It. What the hell? GOT needs to reproduce to have more children. Okay. I don't, I don't know. know where that one comes from. I don't know. But now that kind of kills them off or the main the 90% of the main cast off for the rest of the episode now. Because now there here's the two events. Jamie shows up at Winterfell as more troops and more people are coming into Castle Winterfell. And, well, I maybe we should call it Castle Stark. Let's just keep it that it's way. It's Winterfell. But he comes in riding a black cloak on a black horse, which at the end of Season 7, he was not riding a black horse. Mm -hmm. He was riding a brown horse. So somewhere along the line, the horse kicked the bucket, or they made another movie mistake. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, again, our little fucking friend Bran is still in the fucking courtyard. Somebody bring this guy in the fucking castle, please. Throw some blankets on him. Get him some food. And they do this little stare-off. 
Well, because Jamie thought that Bran was dead. It's just weird. Weird, weird, weird. Now, I have to address one more part of the episode, because that was the end. But there was a part, um, um, Brian, you see... You see tits? You see tits. You see twat? You see balloon knots? I, I, I don't really think I have seen a penile apparatus. You see lots of girl parts and tidbits of men parts. But whatever. But there was the part of the show where in the beginning, um, Sansa sends the uh, little Lord Umber, who is the only one left of the Umber family, back to his castle to get his troops to bring them back to join with the rest of the forces. So somewhere in the middle of the episode, um, when he didn't come back, they went to go check out the castle and they found it destroyed and there were bodies and the whole bit. There were no bodies, but there was a lot of blood and they couldn't figure out why. Um, and it turns out that the walkers had gotten to Lord Umber and um, there's something that goes along with the symbol. I'm actually trying to find the symbol. Um, the one thing I didn't have available for me. The White Walkers, every time they kill a bunch of people, they leave body parts in symbols. Now, I think it was in season seven, if I'm not mistaken, that John and Danny go into a cave and there's all kinds of drawings on the walls. Um, if you go back and you really study these episodes, every time the Walkers kill somebody or kill a bunch of people, they put their bodies in the shape of the same symbols that John and Danny saw in the caves. So when they found the Umber boy in the, in the castle, he was hung against the wall and they had all arms and legs in the shape of this. It looks like a sun. Would you say it looks it's like a sun? It's more like a spiral. That's what they, they, the description was. But if... If you've watched any of these episodes, you know... Um, and it's it appeared in quite a few episodes. Yes, the same shape. However, in this... This was pretty much like the ending scene of it all, okay? It came down to the fact of it being... It was... This little kid who was stuck to the wall. That's the Umber Boy. They pretty much impaled him yes. into it. And one of the things that they they did say, and this was the one of the reasons why now the flame symbol is more significant now than it was before, was the fact that this was on fire now. Right. So this will be at some point in somewhat of a significance, a fire versus ice type well, affair. I mean, if you want to recap, the only way you can kill a White Walker is either burning them or with dragon or glass. with dragon glass or Valerian steel. If I'm not mistaken, is that the third? Yes. Okay, so you have three choices. So Drew, I am very upset at you. I know he really tried though. I, he was putting in an effort, but he works a lot. I give him credit. He was trying. We're going to get you the uh, the audio for all Game of Thrones. And you can listen to it while you're at work. You don't uh -huh. have to see a lot of things. 
Oh, no, you, you need to see it. Come on. We can get it in the audio book. It's not the same. But pretty much the scene, the, the, the preview that they have for the whole thing is now they've said it in the, the last part of the episode. The White Walkers are in between the scouting party and Winterfell. Right. So they are going to hope and pray that they could somehow miraculously pass the White Walkers and the Ice King mm -hmm. to get back to Winterfell. Now, again, I kind of that a little, I find it a little puzzling that they're doing that because when you see the end of season seven, right. There is not exactly a small gathering of White Walkers. No, there's lots. There are miles of them. There's lots. So unless they can figure out how to teleport past this, I think that would be that would probably be an issue. In realistic things, you have to kind of see it that way. I don't know. If there are miles and miles of White Walkers, how are you getting past them? I don't know. And they're already in between you and Winterfell. I don't know. All I know is that when we watched season seven, the last episode, um, Danny said to Cersei that there was more than 100,000 of the White Walkers estimated. When remember she asked uh, how many they, she thought that they were? Um, I'm sure there are much more than that. Um... I'm pretty because every time somebody dies on the show that isn't burned, that's why that's why their tradition was when somebody died, they had to be burned. Um, I'm pretty sure that it's got to be more than 100,000 at this point. Well, think of all Let's, the battles. Think of all the battles, because everybody that died in battle is now a White Walker. And you also think of it, how many now more people they've picked up along the way. Of course. So that's got to be kind of like the, you know, coup de gras out of all of it because now, uh, Brian, that's what they're entitled, white why, walkers. Why they gotta be white? They're all frozen and dead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally didn't see that. <laughs> okay, they are frozen and dead, so they have to be white. They can't be blue walkers. Because Although they have crazy, sick blue eyes. Which yeah, was just, one of the funnier moments of the night, by the way. Let me see if night. I can actually, before we uh, run off, let me see if I can pull up a picture of the White Walkers. Because <laughs> you, you have to, you have to kind of get the feel for uh, the characters. And one of my personal, kind of like the I think the, the coup de gras out of all of them would be the Ice King himself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm going to show you see if I can show this picture real quick. We don't have the uh, the GOT background up over here, but that That's is the Ice the King. That's what the Ice King looks like, Brian. Yeah. They He's are, the head of the White Walkers. They are legitimately white. They're not an off-white. They're not a pale white. <laughs> 
They are white. They're white. They're white okay? people. There is not very much you can do or say about and it. And obviously, you've watched our show. If you want to talk about white guy anger, these guys are real angry. These guys have some <laughs> pure fucking anger. Okay? These guys are just fucking purely, obscenely nuts. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. <laughs> Call me a sexy bastard. Woohoo! All right. So that pretty much surmises the whole episode one of the show. Now, the first two shows at Brian are albinos. Yes. They, um, you know what? They are, Brian. You call them whatever you want until you watch that show. When you watch the show, then you have to call them by the right name. Yes. But in the meantime, the first episode was 50 minutes. 54 minutes. The next episode is going to be 54 minutes or 55 yes. minutes, somewhere around that. And that's where it goes from the short episodes into the movie-style episodes. Right. Which, obviously, as each episode goes along, there will be more and more to talk about. Now, if you... Okay, um, there's a bunch of you in here that have not watched all of them. But if you um, take notice, especially you, Drew, because you're going to be watching them... And Brian, who's going to be watching them, the ninth episode of every season up until season seven is usually their battle episode. Anything that's really big, life-changing, crazy bullshit nonsense goes on in episode nine. That's usually how that first five, six seasons went. Season seven, because it was shorter, was what episode five? If I'm, if I'm, yes, right. I think it was episode five, right? Um, and then now this season, because it's the last season, and there's only six. It's six episodes, if I'm right. Is it six? This one, six. Six episodes. Their third episode. So, uh, yeah. So we have one more week before the third. Their third episode is going to be the longest, and it's going to be their battle sequence from beginning to end, if, if what I'm reading is correct. So, I do a lot of research on the show. I like a lot of theories. Like, I'm a theory girl, so I'm dying to see if a lot of things... The only thing I can say is... You have is to a start lot, at one, Brian. A lot definitely. of people did not prepare for season eight. Okay? Now, we know quite a few people... Uh, Bobby was one of them. Chris and Chrissy were two more people. Right. That all heard that this last season was coming out. There was a lot of hoopla about it. And they binge-watched for weeks. Well, Chris and Chrissy had never seen Game of Thrones. They didn't watch it. So they started to watch it. So this way, by the time it came on, they could see it. Bobby, on the other hand, has seen Game of Thrones was just choosing to rewatch the whole thing because it was coming on. I mean, it's been two years since their last episode. But uh, Brian, my uh, my opinion about that is is that I know it's on HBO. All seven seasons are on HBO. Yeah. Uh, if you have a cable that has access to the app, you can watch them all legitimately. I think it's about shit like fucking a hundred hours straight. Of Game of Thrones. They're All going right, from so there's 50... Right, 60. There's 60... I think it's 60, 60 episodes of hour-long hour. episodes. 
There's sixty-seven. The last two episodes, the three episodes, three episodes were about two hours long. Sixty-seven. There's probably about ninety. Ninety to hundred hours. Ninety to ninety-five hours from the beginning of the show till the end. Every episode is almost an hour. Almost. Drew, you know who my real favorite character is out of the entire show? It's Tyrion. Yeah. Why? Because we both say the same thing. We drink and we both know things. <laughs> That's exactly the perfect... Tyrion, even though I'm not a huge fan of, of little people, as we want to call them, Okay, but Tyrion's probably one of the coolest little people that I would fucking. I mean, like I said, you'll see. I mean, people really come a long way from the beginning when you first start watching it. You know, um, Najee says she loves Khaleesi. Yeah, but I'm telling you, it's they've changed so much from the beginning. Like when you see them now in the last episodes, how they've come like big time, full circle. You know. Well, I could tell you that. For everybody that hasn't watched it. Come on, Brian. You could do it. Share the show so you can annoy all of your friends that have seen Game of Thrones. Or for those ones that complain, ah, I've never watched one episode of Game of Thrones. Share it to them anyway. Piss them off. Okay? But in the meantime, we're checking out. Thank you for everybody for showing up. This is the first of... Six episodes. Six episodes. We are adding in more to do for Game of Thrones because, again, I've watched it from episode one pretty much like nine years ago, which is insane. And then had this he gave team. it to me. Yeah. I, I think season two had just finished yes. when I met you. And Drew, if you watch it to a really, really good extent, I personally, personally recommend season two episode nine yes season two episode nine kick fucking ass okay that's all i could say it's like a life-changing episode of of all of the uh, show it, it, it is probably one of the most medieval special effects wait a minute and there's one more say. is it season six the bastards episode uh is it six it's not seven. I think it is six. Season six, episode nine is the Battle of the Bastards. You'll see that one too. Yes, but my I, favorite I, two by far. I'm telling you though, outright, season two, episode, episode nine, nine is the most critical and most expensive yeah. uh, scene that they've ever had to put together until now. So, knowing me. I'll probably be airing with Bedroom Radio sometime later on this week because Mr. Derek Relford is moving. Yes. So I will be carrying the load for that. However, uh, Melissa will be back on Thursday for our regularly scheduled Pain Train Pipe Bomb episode, which I might say, I, I think I might keep this background up. Thanks, I'm not Brian. Sure. But till Thursday, good night and goodbye. Hey everyone, this is Karasu from Pain Train Pipeball. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did doing it for you. Please join the crew for our next broadcast, whether it's on Facebook, MyHighRadio.com, IPMNation.com, or even our YouTube channel. Don't forget to visit RedBubble.com or 
shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash pain train pipe bomb for our show merchandise. Thanks on behalf of Ricky, Jimmy, Melissa, me, and the Pain Train Pipe Bomb Army.